On this episode of Teched Out by Full Stack Academy, Corey and I break down the topic of data. We discuss the primary unit of storage in the computer, the bit, as well as how computers go about encoding and decoding all your wonderful cat photos. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Um, no, 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 no. All right, Jeff. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, I miss you. Yeah, I miss you too, man. Thanks, man. It's You're making. By the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm recording. Uh, <laughs> There's no indicator anywhere. That's good. That's that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I am. See, okay. there you go. Cool. Uh, it's trying to keep things casual, you know. Right. Um, just like this eye contact's a little strong. It's a little strong. I'm a little uncomfortable. Is okay. It um, all right. Let's talk. Let's talk data. So I think one thing that we should dive into is how do machines store data, right? Like we yeah. talk that data is like a message, just a way of conveying a message to someone else. Any form of the way that you can convey a thought, a message, that is data. But how is it possible that these machines that we use every day store this thing? Yeah, we have this term memory that we talk about when we talk about computers, right? How many uh, gigs of RAM does it have? How big is the hard drive, right? What kind of hard drive is it? And these are all terms that are thrown out there associated with memory, but a computer doesn't have a brain. It can't literally just remember something, right? We have to store it somewhere in a way that it can go back and look it up later. Right, right. So transferring information is one thing. It happens in binary, right? We can sort of send a stream of bits to a source somewhere, right? right? Or I can talk to you in English and you can just decode it on the other end. You turn my English words into thoughts. Right, right. But then how do you store it in your brain? Right, exactly. Got to be a way of you kind of changing the structure of your brain to encode that information somewhere. Yes. Right? And although the brain is something that's obviously way more complex to talk about as um, it's sort of unknown, right? Um, sure. With computers, it's actually um, something that we created. So we have a pretty good handle on how this actually works. And at the end of the day, any piece of information that's stored in a computer can only be in two possible states, right? It can either be on or off. Electricity could be flowing or not flowing. It could be true or false. And this is that unit of the bit that we talked about, right? Yeah, right. So if we were going to store something in binary here, between the two of us, we could just write something out on a piece of paper. We could write out a sequence of zeros and ones, right? But obviously a hard drive doesn't have a whole bunch of little strips of paper in it that have zeros and ones written on it. Of course not, that'd be too easy. Yeah, <laughs> way too easy, right? Yeah. Just a little, uh, it's like a little miniature person inside the computer that's just, just writing really, really fast. <laughs> so that's not how computers work, right? Right. Uh, just, just to clarify, clarify. clarify that there's no little person in your computer um, just sitting there typing away and talking back to this you. This isn't like the Flintstones. No. There's no like pterodactyl with like a little, you know, accountant's hat sitting yeah. inside the computer. Right. Yeah. So... It doesn't have to be paper, though, right? It just has to be something that can store that it's in one of two states, right? So something like a magnetic charge can be really useful here, right? You can magnetize something to have a positive polarity or a negative polarity, and that'll stay, 
Right. right. You can have magnets sitting around and you walk away from them for a while, come back, they're still magnetized. Right. Yeah. And I think one thing that's interesting about this idea, right, The it's very easy to think of like negative versus positive, right, when you think of polarity. And I think that's one of the reasons that computing systems chose binary, right? Like we didn't have to allow for only two possible states, right? Like I've heard of other systems that have attempted like, you know, ternary and, and, and quaternary. And, um, but it turns out that these systems are way more complex and they don't, um, they don't really scale as well, right? And I think one way to really think about this is the fact that if we have one bit, one piece of information that can be in two possible states, as soon as we give a second piece of information, a second bit that can also be in two possible states, it's not as if we now have like um, only, you know, two different things that we can represent. Now we can represent four messages, you know. Um, right. And if we added a third piece of information, we could represent eight messages. And it's like sort of this pattern where every piece of bit, every bit that we add, every two-state machine that we add, we then double the amount of messages that we could represent theoretically. Yeah, it scales really well, right? right? right. It's exponential, really. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of like this this, this sort of uh, binary thing kind of reminds me of like Paul Revere during mm -hmm. the, the American Revolution, right? Where like they had to somehow provide a messaging system where they could convey to all of the – um, I'm afraid to call them Americans, colonists, whatever you want, sure. <laughs> whatever you want, Americans at the time, who, who, uh, w in which way the British were coming, right? One if by land and two if by sea, I think the old adage goes. Mm. Um, don't test my history knowledge, please. Uh, <laughs> Sound right. so, so, um, but this was kind of cool, right? There were like two possible ways. So they used one light or two lights and it could have easily been no lights or one light, but probably wouldn't have been as people might have forgot to put lights out, right? So that's right, probably why yeah, they didn't. Or, or maybe you just wouldn't know. Maybe there are no lights there, but he just hasn't gotten around to it or hasn't seen anything yet. Right, right. right. Yeah, exactly. So that would have been a bad indicator. And then well, I guess Thomas Thomas Edison wasn't wasn't there. This, this is, is no light. This was way, way, Edison. way yeah, before. Again, his history, not exactly it, my strong suit. But. Clearly not mine, um, but he definitely had a lot of electricity. He... Yeah, I don't think it was one floodlight if by land, right? It was like a. It was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He wasn't, right. he wasn't like bringing a disco ball around, like <laughs> right, exactly. Raven. I'm just like imagining Thomas Edison's house being pretty popping early on, like yeah. definitely the place to go rave and party. You uh, know? Imagine if you were alive today, what his house would be like. Oh man, he'd be Crazy. like, "Do you see this? Do you see what?" Um, <laughs> I did all of this. Yeah. So, um, data, right? So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Storing this in these forms of ones and zeros is just really easy and really simple because the encoding system is very, 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 two, there's only two things that any piece of information can be in and magnets happen to work really, 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 really well for this, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Magnets are a good way to do it. You have other things like CDs, right? I remember burning CDs back when I was in high school, right? And it was like you, you'd hear the discs spinning around, the computer's making a lot of noise, and then suddenly you've got a, a totally legal copy of a CD. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, totally legal. Not advocating any kind of illegal activity. Of course not. Podcast, nope. right? But it, I never knew how that worked, right? You say burning a CD like there's fire inside right. your optical drive right. or something. But really the way that's working is it's just burning these tiny, tiny little pits, right? These physical, like carving out space on the surface of the disk. And 
you've either got a pit burned in in one place or not. Right. It's one of those two things. Right. And that's another easy way to say, okay, it's either on or it's off. It's a one or a zero. It's right. binary. Right. Exactly. And so I think what we're getting into here is this idea of encoding and decoding, right? Like, right. Yeah. So as long as the computer has some sort of method of figuring out which of those two states it's in, then we've got an electronic system for storing memory. Correct. Right? If the computer can read that disk and say, oh, here it's burned. In this other place, it's not. Now it can read the data. Yeah. If it can say, what's the charge on this magnet? Oh, here it's positive. Here it's negative. Those are two different things. Now you can understand as a computer what something is supposed to represent. Yeah, and this was sort of hard for me to explain to my dad when he tried putting a Blu-ray in our DVD player Ooh. a few years ago, you know. And uh, he was like, I don't get it. It's the same shape. And I'm just like, I don't know, I don't know Dad. That's, I don't, you know, so is, uh, I don't know. I was going to say popcorn, but that's definitely not. That's not the same. What's I don't know why I'm thinking about popcorn. I would love, I love popcorn. Right. I love popcorn. Yeah, um, me too. Like movie theater popcorn. Oh, it's the best. It feels it's healthy. Right. No, I'm just no, I'm just. It doesn't feel healthy. Um, but that butter, which they don't even call it butter, by the way, it's really? called golden topping or golden. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah, it's like they can't even. They're like legally, we can't allow you to call this butter. So <laughs> it reminds me of that thing. I forget which company it was, but they started. I think it might have been DiGiorno, right? They started serving this combo of pizza and wings, but they spelled wings like W Y N G Z or something like that because they couldn't really call it wings. Like it right, definitely right. wasn't chicken wings. <laughs> you see this with uh, I think it was I, I don't want to I don't want to say it was Briar's ice cream, but so one of these companies like they were like this is no longer I like drop below that threshold. They're like you have to call it a frozen dessert. Oh, like no. you can't even call it a frozen dairy dessert. Like it's got a bit of dairy, but it's not enough to call it ice cream. And I don't know who's like. Measuring these thresholds, but thank you if you're listening. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's a perfect segue into exactly what you were just talking about because no, it's it's not really. We're we're gonna have to what get were we even talking about? Uh, <laughs> Putting popcorn in the DVD player. Okay, right. Is what we're right. Right. About. So yeah, as long as we have a way of like burning in quote unquote information or storing information in a particular way, and then we could read that information somehow by uh, knowing the way that it was initially encoded, we can encode and decode. And so. Um, this happens to work extraordinarily well with numbers, right? So um, let's try to break this down as simple as possible. But binary, for example, like when we talk about it, is the state of zeros and ones, right? And that's all anything can be. It can be polarized positive, negative. It could be electrically charged or not, right? Um, and so what happens is, is there's only two possible states for any piece of information. Let's consider going back to elementary school for a little bit. Um, no, not please. A <laughs> please, no. Yeah, right. Um, and so when I first counted to 10, um, nobody was proud of me. They were like, no, just do your job. But like, um, I want to be able to be like, proud. You're 16, Corey. You yeah. should, <laughs> you should <laughs> say yes. That was, that was tough. We're proud of you. Uh, so um, anyway, so, so when we count to 10, it's like we count up through nine and we can go from zero to nine in our decimal system without ever needing another piece of information to represent the next thing, right? So in our decimal system, probably coming from the fact that we have 10 fingers, right? That makes um, sense. And um, once I get to nine, 
to represent the number 10 on paper, I need to know, I can't write like 10 in a single column, in a single piece of information. I need to start another column, another piece of information, right? right. There's, I, there's no 10 character, right. right? Like you can write the number 9, but 10 is actually two characters smashed together. That's right? uh, Yeah, exactly. And so it turns out that this binary system is pretty good at converting from decimal, our system, into binary. So instead of counting from zero to nine in any column, right, before like we can carry the one and move on, right, we just count from zero to one because there isn't a second possible state that any piece of information can be in, right? And this is pretty cool. That's where that shirt that like, you know, uh, there's only 10 kinds of people in the world, those who know binary and those who don't, mm -hmm. right? right? Because if you take one and you try to add a one to it, we cannot... Um, we can't say that that's two because in binary, we don't have a two. We just have an off or an on. There's we no numeral two, right? You can't literally write the character two as one thing. Exactly. Yeah. So we need a second bit so that we can say, all right, you know what? Let's turn that second bit on, put this first bit off. And that's why that we get this one, zero or 10. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so decimal tends to convert really well into binary. And then from there, we can like start to abstract that. We can say like, oh, okay, well, there's 26 letters in the English um, character alphabet. alphabet. Whew, that's what it's called, right? Uh, and 26 capital letters, and then there's some you know other characters that we use a lot, like period and comma and slash. And early on, we said, you know what? These num this number system of converting from decimal to uh, binary works really well. Well, if we can just figure out how many characters we are gonna need, we can just essentially like set aside the number of bits that would allow us to represent that many characters. Right. And now we have a way of representing even, you know, our English characters in a uh, set of ones and zeros. Right, so let me get this straight. If you have the ability to represent, say, the number 57, just using ones and zeros in this binary numeral system, then you can also say, okay, the number 57 is the same as, I don't know, a capital F mm -hmm. or something. Exactly, right? yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, and I don't I don't think that's 57. But anyway, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah um, but that's exactly the idea here. And so that's kind of what I wanted to dive into with you is like people think of binary as this like really complex, oh, I can't talk that. That's you No, know, it just means you can only count to one in any given piece right. of information. And with enough of these combinations of trues and falses, with enough of these combinations of ones and zeros, we could start to put together literally anything. And some, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could talk about audio recording for a second. Like, how are we recording this podcast right now, right? Well, we have a microphone here that's recording information probably at like 44,000 samples per second, right? That's like, that's a lot. Yeah. And on every sample that it takes, it's putting together the amplitude of our sounds. And then from that amplitude over time, we can then output that information back, right, as, um, and again, that amplitude is gonna be measured as a series of like maybe zero to 256, something like that. Right. And then we can, if we get enough recordings of those amplitudes over a second, we can then put that back together as audio later. And that's that process of encoding audio and decoding audio. That's crazy. So yeah. this podcast that we're recording right now and that people are listening to, 
is really just a ton of zeros and ones stored somewhere in a very specific sequence. It's just a big group of zeros and ones that represents a tiny fraction of a second and what that's supposed to sound like, and then another big group that represents the next fraction of a second. And it sounds like you're saying a computer, if it knows how to read something like that, can just go from one group of ones and zeros to the next really, really fast and turn it into some sort of audio output that mimics what's going into the microphone at this moment. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty meta, Jeff. That's, that's pretty meta. What about images? Yeah, images. Okay, well, oh, don't get me started on images. This is this is really uh -oh. cool. Um, so image, if you ever notice, like, if you've recorded something on your computer, you have a Word document, whatever, and then you have, like, you download an image off the internet or, or a video even, like something crazy, and you can see the sizes of these files, like, are at whole different calibers, right? Um, so here is one way that we could encode an image. Not always how we're going to encode an image, but again, the process of encoding is you and I agree upon a scheme at which we can save information, and as long as we both know the scheme at which we save that information, we can then decode it or read it back. Right, and so here's one way that we could store images. Right, so the way that we think about light is it comes in three different primary pigments: red, green, and blue. You might have heard of RGB, right? Mm, um, yeah. And so it turns out that one way we can represent this is if we can store the amount of red, the amount of green, and the amount of blue for each pixel that we want to represent. Okay, so that's a lot of information. There are a lot of pixels on a typical screen. Exactly, right? and if we want a lot of different kinds of reds and a lot of different kinds of greens and a lot of different kinds of blues, right? Maybe we don't want full red or full green or full blue. We want just 50% green or 50% blue or something like that, right? Um, then what we need to be able to do is provide a spectrum for each of these things, meaning we can't just have a true or false one bit of information. We need multiple bits of information to represent each color. So what we actually do is we provide 255, 256 sorry, options for each color. We said red can go from 0 to 255 in strength, green can go from 0 to 255 in strength, and blue can go from 0 to 255. Mm -hmm. um, and so what that requires is for each one, we need to set aside 8 bits, that's what it works out to be, of information. So for each pixel on the screen, we need to not only store 8 bits, which by the way is 1 byte, we need three bytes of information at the very minimum to represent each pixel. And this is with just standard RGB screens. Right. Yeah. So for an individual pixel, you just have to make it the right color at any point in time. And we can actually be really granular, really specific about the kind of color we want to produce, even just with reds, greens, and blues, right? So you're saying if we want to tweak the color a little bit, it might involve just dialing up the red value on it a little bit and maybe dialing back the blue for certain different colors. Mm -hmm. And that creates a lot of really unique colors and light values that you can put in any particular pixel. Approximately 16.8 million, Jeff. Goodness. Yeah. That's a lot. I didn't just do that math. I just, I remember that number. That was that'd really be, quick. That would be like, wow. Just, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm Rain Man. No, it's okay. It's super. I'm not. I'm so, not. I I can remember a number that I read off a website somewhere. So Right, because yeah. you have a magnetic disk in your head. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So... Um, but, you know, we can get into some other, you know, you're looking for a new TV out there. Those of you looking for a new TV, I just, I just, I went off and spent a little too much on my new TV, Jeff. Right. Um, I, have, I have the, I never review things uh, on Amazon, but I do have the number two review on a TV that I recently bought 
Uh, it really should be number one. I, it's I, whatever, but be careful, people are gonna look this up. Uh, yeah, 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 I'm not gonna. Okay, on some TV, <laughs> that's better, right? Some TV. It's like sure. oh, there's so many TVs on Amazon, you'll never find it. <laughs> um, so, uh, actually, shoot, they they could probably f- whatever. Anyway, so, um, so great. We we we. Um, I I bought a TV recently that has HDR instead of the normal RGB spectrum, so we can encode colors. And that's fine. We can say each pixel has a specific color, right? What HDR does, which is, you know, if you look at TVs now, you see these 4K TVs. Those are just higher resolution. We've heard of 1080p, all these fancy words thrown around. But now they have HDR. And these HDR TVs are much more expensive than than 4K. Just being 4K versus having HDR is a huge price difference. And one of the reasons is, is the encoding scheme per pixel is much, much, much higher. Instead of having 256 possibilities for each color, we have about 1,024. Wow. Yeah. So it's 1,024 times 1,024 times 1,024 in terms of the amount of colors. But not only that, you can also change the brightness of each pixel on the screen. Our standard, our standard RGB encoding doesn't allow us to like select, like we can say like this thing is this much red, this much green, this much blue, but we can't actually select like, oh, how bright is this pixel compared to the one next to it? And that's what HDR allows us to do, which is really, really, really neat. So if you're thinking about getting a new TV, you, you should think about investing in eight. My, my girlfriend disagrees. She thinks that it was a waste of money and um, it's not gonna fit anywhere and it's, you know, um, treat yourself. Treat yourself, right? That's right. Do you happen to have that number memorized? The new combination, if it's HDR, of how many unique colors you can have. What was the other one? It was sixteen point eight million. Sixteen point eight million. Um, I can do this, some. This is a lot more. Let's just see. No, 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 way, Jeff. Way more. It's. Um, I don't even know how to read this number. Is that a billion seventy three million? Yeah. Seven hundred forty one thousand eight hundred twenty four combinations. That's crazy. And that's if they uh, set aside. Um, just an additional um, um, two bits for each um, color, R, G, and B. Right. So an image then is just a unique combination of red, green, and blue values, or it could be encoded this way for each pixel, and then do that for thousands or maybe even millions of pixels. And then if you wanted, say, a video, that's just a bunch of images back to back to back and some audio. Right. right. Yeah. And if you think of like, just to put this in perspective, um, a standard 1080p, not 4K, which is four times as much, right? But a 1080p um, screen would take up per per um, frame, mm. right? It's um, approximately a total of about 2 million pixels or so. So wow. 2 million pixels, right, times, what is it, 24 bits per pixel, mm-hmm. right, or 3 bytes per pixel. So that's 20 um, million times 3 bytes. And whatever that works out to be, right, that's like the amount of bytes required to represent a single image right, at 1080p. And that's how you get some of these totals. When you look at an HD video file, it often ends up in gigabytes. Oh, yeah. Multiple gigabytes to store something like that. Yeah, Yeah. it's a lot of information. Exactly. And then, I mean, the new Ultra HD 4K HDR videos are like, like 50 gigs. You know, they're they're just enormous, enormous loads of data. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. I feel like I feel like I'm data out. You know, we talked about yeah. uh, data. We yeah. talked about storage of data, which could be known as database. We talked about my bad data the other day. Uh, that was I think a, maybe a, we've that was a bad dated data. Dated ourselves okay. a little bit. Here. All right. I think that's enough, Jeff. That's I enough to get one bad joke in. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm glad we'll end on that note. Um, all right. We'll see you all here next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.